1: I stopped and, and he said, you know, what are you doing? I was like, I was like, you blew the whistle. And I didn't finish my set. You know, we were doing like a lines, lines, jump combo. And he said, um, he said, why didn't you, why didn't you finish your set? I said, oh, he blew the whistle. He said, finish your set and do an extra one. Hey.
0: Podcast of optimism, but we are also the podcast of realism, and it's time for the latter. That was the first concerning tape that I've ever watched this season for Notre Dame, and the reason why it was concerning was that they couldn't run the ball at will, and they couldn't pass the ball at will either. And so, when they would try to line up with seven blockers, essentially two tight ends and run the ball down Louisville's throat. It was unsuccessful because they were either stalemating or losing the line of scrimmage. And it's worth mentioning, Louisville was stacking the box. They were giving them the, we dare you to throw it, and Notre Dame couldn't throw it. So they were putting eight men in the box Back to the math, Notre Dame had seven blockers, five offensive linemen, two tight ends, running the running back. If they run Ian, they obviously get an extra blocker using the running back. But let's just, for, for argument's sake right now, stick to Kyron Williams as the ball carrier. Far too often, there is one unblocked man in the front, and he was making the play with ease. And a lot of times making the play without gain or in the Notre Dame backfield. And this is Louisville. I mean, this is a team that just lost to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech's in the second year underneath Jeff Collins. This is a young team that's still figuring it out. For a point of reference, Georgia Tech just lost to Clemson 73-7. 73-7. 7-3. to 73-7. Notre Dame just played Louisville in a 12-7 to game. Georgia Tech beat Louisville. That's concerning. That's a concerning game and you know there's there's a couple moments in the game against Louisville where I just thought Notre Dame should have stuck with what was working I mean they came out the first drive and it was clear they wanted to get Kevin Austin a touch and we talked about that a lot on last week's podcast as well with Hamilton just get Kevin Austin a touch and they did it was a three yard out dropped it to him he breaks a tackle stiff arms run for about 20 yards. It's so smooth and starts to separate and make that box breathe a little bit. They can't stack up against the run. He just ran. He just stretched the defense, Use speed, Use athleticism, and they never came back to it the rest of the game. Makes absolutely no sense to me. I would have came back to that every single drive. Just a little three-yard dropout, get book confidence, and get these wide receivers going, and Notre Dame never did. And one other way that this game was concerning was that Notre Dame's pass protection was not even close to as dominant as it's been. It showed holes it showed weaknesses and, and back to that Kevin Austin point, you know they did the same thing in the late second early third quarter with Michael Mayer where they just it was like a mesh route right across the middle of the field just dropped it to him easy completion you know he goes, He goes ninja mode, jumps over somebody, stiff arms somebody else, and just goes and makes a play on his own. Like when you watch great quarterbacks and great offenses play, and I'll even take this to the NFL level, you very rarely see Drew Brees throw a ball beyond like six yards. That's where he lives. He just drops it to playmakers. Kamara, Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, just drops on the ball and lets them do the work for him. Too much of this Notre Dame offense right now is relying on Ian Book to have a perfect pocket, three or four seconds, find a receiver deep down the field that's open, which they haven't been very open, get them the ball, and then let them make a great play either on the ball in the air or make a great play after the catch down the field, all those things. It's too complicated. And it's not the strength of this team. The strength of this team is Let's drop one to Tommy Trimble three yards down the field and let him go get 12. Let's drop an out route to Michael Mayer. Let him turn up the sideline. Let's let the pass rush come through and drop a screen to Chris Tyree. Drop a screen to Kyron Williams and turn it into a freaking punt return. Let these guys go do what they do best. Too much of this offense was like it was constipated feeling. It was like, we either want to run the ball and destroy your soul, or we want to throw it way down the field and pretend like we still have Chase Claypool. Guess what? You don't. There is no one-on-one, go-win-it-every-single-time player. And so you have to adjust and adapt and play to your strengths. And, and right now, the passing game looks bad. I mean, this this passing game, it's like they've turned Book into a, a game manager so far. And, and they've gone so all-in on the run game, which I, I appreciate and I think it's the right move to go all in on the run game. But you're not going to beat Clemson if you don't have a prolific passing game. And right now, not only is it not prolific, the passing game is below average. The passing game's taken a step backwards from where it was a year ago. You want a little proof? Ian Book was 11 of 19 for 106 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, sacked four times against Louisville. Team with one win. And so when Trevor Lawrence goes and scores 35, 40 points, which he's doing every single game, how are you going to combat that? You're not going to play from behind by hammering Kyron Williams into an eight-man front. It's just not going to work. If it didn't work against Louisville, I guarantee you it's not going to work against Clemson. So they have to, and now it's only two games you have until Showtime against Clemson under the bright lights of primetime and about 15 million TV viewers they have to find the passing game. And, and, and Louisville was a step backwards in that search. It was just a step backwards, and it was concerning. Be, be really curious to know where Tommy Reese goes from there. I, I really will, because I believe in him as a play caller. I believe in his relationship with Ian Book, and I think it's why he's been able to transform him into a spread quarterback that can go win the game for you from the pocket, and it's won a lot of games playing that style of offense to a game-managing quarterback, I think the strength of their relationship is that he can make Ian Book buy into that kind of a strategy switch. But now they need to show that they can be multiple because it's too singular, and now it's become limiting. If you want optimism, the defense looked great. The defense holding Louisville's offense to seven points That's something to celebrate because this Louisville offense is not bad. And when you go watch their games earlier in the year, they were one or two big plays away from being a much better than a one-win team. And throughout the course of the game, they were shut down by this Notre Dame defense. I started the conversation with senior defensive lineman who's getting ready to go back to his hometown of Pittsburgh this weekend on that exact subject, a 12-7 win over Louisville. How did it sit with you? Here was his answer
1: you know we play great as, as, as a defense held them seven points and uh they have a great offense they're really dynamic and and they're they're the best one in three football one in, they're the best one and three football team in the country you know uh they're a great football team and they're a tough football team and they're going to have tremendous success down the road and uh i'm happy with how how we played on saturday uh you know they had a tough defense as well they're a good football team you know um they showed up and, and played their best version of a, of a football game on Saturday, and and it showed.
0: What what makes you say they're the best one and three team in the country? That's that's an interesting take. They're a great football team. I mean, their record does not
1: does not you know show how good of a football team they are. They're a great football team. Um, them being one and three is is you know you'd look at a, a one three football team and you'd assume you know that's probably not a very good football team, but they're a great team, and it showed on Saturday. Uh, how close
0: do you think this Notre Dame team is to hitting its full potential right now?
1: uh you know the the period we had off really uh it, it really affected us you know it, it was it was a week off and i was out for 2 weeks and so you know getting back into it you know we had to shake some rust off and you know you saw that at florida state and you even saw some of that last week but i think on saturday we'll be ready to go um i th- i think we're 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 getting close to reaching our potential um I think as a defense, we're we're playing really well. You know, we're a we're a cohesive group. We play together, and we're forming to the football every single play. Um, the offense is great. We have a great offensive line. Align. So I would say the best in the country. You know, our running backs are great. We have four great running backs. Um, now, when all these things can come into fruition, we're going to be a team to be reckoned. We're going to be forced to be reckoned with. We're, we're going to be a great football team. You know, just you know, shaking out the rust right now.
0: You mentioned the offensive line and you go up against this offensive line every single day. Yeah. How do you compare to some of the competition that you see when you go play opponents from other schools?
1: Um I haven't played an offensive line since I've been here as good as our offensive line has been here, to be honest with you. Um they're I mean, they, they're so they're a great group. I mean these dudes work hard and it shows it shows on Saturdays. Um and they're so they're so close with one another, and uh, it shows. It shows how they play. It shows in their play they play for one another, and
0: you know they're they're a great group. What's their relationship like away from the football building? How, how does this offensive line stick together? Well,
1: I mean they used to eat, they used to go out and eat a lot. I know they hang out with each other on the weekends and stuff. They hang out together, and they're always together. I mean the starting offensive line, the five guys, um, and some of the other guys, offensive linemen, trickled in there. I mean, usually the entire offensive line is always together, but these five guys are always together. You know, um, I live in a house – I live in a house with uh, Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer and Brock Wright and Drew White. And so, Brian you know, Brock and – Brock, Tommy, and, and and Robert, they live together. So, you know, they're very close there. Um, I know Aaron Banks and and, and Liam Eichenberg live together, um, but, you know, they're such a close group and they're, they're great. They're great guys.
0: You're a smart guy. You've been around college football a long time of the starting five. How many do you think has a long career in the NFL among those offensive linemen? I think every single one of them. Jackson Warburg said the same thing. I think every single one of them. I think they're a great group. That's that's saying something. How about the 2020 defensive line? What does that, what does this group do best?
1: play for one another. Uh, you know, I, I'm not the, the, the tallest guy in the world or the longest guy in the world, or, you know, even the biggest, but, um, we you know, we don't have guys that are absolute freaks, but we have guys that play hard nosed football and show up to play every snap. And that's what separates us from other, other teams. Um, we play for one another. That's, that's who we do it for. And, uh, and that's where we find a success.
0: Who's developing as the best pass rushers right now in your mind's eye? Um I mean Adi gandeji
1: he, he, he looks great uh Dalen Hayes looks really good um Myron Tagovailoa looks really good Jason Adamillo looks really good um some of the young guys like Howard and, and, and Jacob Lacey they all those guys look really good um Isaiah Fosky looks great I mean he, he, he's a freak I mean he he's incredible um Justin Adam looks great I mean we have we have a we have so much
0: depth you know. How do you think this defensive line compares to last year's defensive line?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously we don't have have uh, you know the, the names, the you know the big time names that we had last year, but um, we still show up on Saturday to play. Like like we are we like, like we're not going to miss a beat. You know, obviously we had great great guys like Julian and, and Khalid. You know, they were great players, and they'll be missed. But uh, we're focused. We're on. We're focused on us. We're focused on getting better as a, as a unit.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're from Pittsburgh. So this will be a, a trip back home for you. What are you most looking forward to in the first road game of the season?
1: I'm just excited to be back home. I'm excited to, to drive through the uh, the Liberty tunnels. If we go through them coming down from the airport, to go through the Liberty tunnels and cross the bridge to, you know, see the entire city. That's been one of my favorite things since, since I was young.
0: You, you spend the whole quarantine back in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah. The whole quarantine. I didn't do it. I went from uh, my house to my high school weight room and to a football field every day. That's, that's all I did. That doesn't sound too bad.
0: No, honestly, it wasn't bad. I loved yeah. it. That doesn't sound too bad. What, what's the itinerary for the road game? I know it's a little different now than it once was. What's the plan about how you guys are actually going to get there, play the game? How, how's it lay layout?
1: Uh, you know, just trying to have as much uh, – at least amount of contact we can have with the outside world as possible you know um we want to bring someone inside the bubble that's you know going to possibly infect one of us so i believe we're doing meetings and stuff on here or in in the facility on friday we're flying out to the hotel and then i believe on uh saturday morning i think we're having or saturday morning we're having a uh, a big breakfast in a giant banquet hall you know it's just going to be just us there you go.
0: How about just as a defensive line, how, how does this group self-evaluate? What's the process of self-evaluation right now? You as in, like, holding one another accountable? Just how do you guys, like, when you go back and review the tape, how do you do you grade every single play? Do you grade every pass snap? Do you grade every pass rush snap? Like, how, how does you actually self-evaluate as a group?
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, Coach Allison Gregius, he's a scaly Gregius. We are our assignment grade, our, and our, our technique grade, and we have a grade that's called uh, FTB. Which we preach across the whole defense now, and, it, and mainly in the D line room, it's called FTB. it Stands for for the Brotherhood, and it stands for how much you're going to show on this play for the Brotherhood. So there'll be snaps that that he'll have on you know Monday's tape that are that are you know checked off as FTB, where guys show that you know they're they're hitting 19 miles an hour, sprinting to the other side of the field to make a tackle, and that's that's a play that would be FTB.
0: I like that. So, so FTB in general just basically means like a hustle play. Would that translate to that, or what would it translate to? How would you define FTB?
1: Selling out for your brothers, selling out for your team, selling out for you know for for everything that we preach and in, in, at this university.
0: That's pretty cool, man. I like the FTB grade. I've never heard F-T-B. that one.
1: before. Yep, FTB,
0: baby. It, Coach Lee, you know you you're the second person I've heard mentioned. because we get to meet with Coach Lee for the production meetings, and he mentioned to the speed like the actual, the 19 miles an hour and going that stuff. How closely do you guys track that? Is it like a chip inside your shoulder pads? How do you get it? We have,
1: we, have we have a chip inside our shoulder pads. And on every, t- every Tuesday we start off practice with a five-cone pursuit drill. And so at, at the end of the five-cone pursuit row, uh, coach Allison has one of the strength interns or one of the strength coaches who sits on the side with a computer and has our GPSs on his computer. And he hasn't run over a piece of paper on, on how fast we ran that day or, or ran during five going pursuit. Cause that's usually when you open up your stride and run the fastest.
0: What's the fastest you've ever gone, man. You ever break
1: the speed limit? Uh, my fastest I've ever gone was 17 miles an hour,
0: <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> you
1: know, but that's, that's, that's in knee braces. So if you, if you, I mean, during the summertime when we run just without knee braces and pads, and I've hit 19 before, but um, now I'm not hitting, I'm not hitting 19. I mean, I, I'd, I'd have to take my knee braces off and, we have knee braces on practice. you practice. No one's hitting 19 with knee braces on.
0: Are the knee braces mandatory? Why do you guys wear those things? They're mandatory. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a safety precaution. Got it. Is it. Do you feel like it holds back the athleticism a little bit, or how does it actually work when you put those things on? Yeah, I mean, there would be times
1: where your knee braces clip together and you fall flat on your face during a play, and it happens. And then you get back up and everyone laughs at you and, it, you know, you keep playing. Do you get used to them? No. <laughs> I <laughs> <laughs> no, I still hate them. No, uh, but I, I I, don't like them. I don't like wearing them. Uh, I'm so happy we could take them off on Saturday for the game. Um, if, I could, if I could not wear them during practice, I would. Uh, but, you know, it's like I said, it's
0: a safety precaution. and You know, we
1: have to do it, so
0: We I do have it. To wear it all week in practice, but you don't have to wear it for the games. No, so we can run faster. Interesting. Interesting. I, I feel like that's like in baseball when you, you warm up with the donut on the bat and then you get to take it off when you actually walk into the batter circle. Yeah, right. you played baseball growing up?
1: I uh, Yeah, I did play baseball growing up. Did you play hoops
0: too? No,
1: I, I didn't play hoops. I I wrestled growing up. Did you wrestle?
0: Yeah. How, how were you as a wrestler? I feel like you could freaking demolish some souls.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was pretty good. I wasn't the most uh, fundament- like fundamentally sound guy. I just tried to bully everybody, you know, so... Uh, that worked out my favorite, but anytime I'd go against someone that was, you know, as big as me and they had technique, I'd I'd be in for it. But I mean, I would obviously put up a fight. It wasn't like they were beating the crap out of me, you know. So,
0: what what similarities do you see between wrestling and playing defensive line? Your center of gravity
1: staying low, um, using your hands. Uh, you know the whole. You know, using you know your balance. Um, I used I, I went to a, uh, a couple of Krav Maga classes this summer, which is the uh, it's a type of martial arts that uh, it, it was developed by the Israeli military. And, and it's it's used for smaller guys using bigger guys momentum. So it kind of it kind of allows you to, to, to you know, work with, with with your balance and using someone else's momentum. And it's great for defense alignment to do. So I took a couple of those classes this summer.
0: How would you get into that?
1: Um. This guy I trained with uh, in the summertime does it, and and he kind of got me into it. And what was it called?
0: Osma What did you say? Krav Maga.
1: I mean, do you, yeah, it was Krav Maga. Krav Maga. I yeah. That, so I, I met him. I met this guy through Aaron Donald, um, and he he came to our workout sessions a couple times. This guy came. I worked out with Aaron this this summer doing doing workouts, running and stuff. Um, and this guy came and was doing these drills with Aaron using knives and stuff. And I was like you know, so amazed. I'm like, dude, like what are you doing? You're out of your mind. And he was telling me, you know, it, it works and it, it's great for you. So I walked over to the guy and introduced myself and uh, he's like, Yeah, you know, stop by and we'll do we'll get some work in. So I did.
0: Aaron Aaron Donald obviously has Pittsburgh roots too, went to Pitt, spent the whole quarantine offseason back there training what they call the dungeon. I don't know if you're familiar with the dungeon. Yeah. Do you know of the dungeon?
1: I know of the dungeon. I've never I know I've never been to the dungeon, but You've I know the
0: there? dungeon how did you first – so the dungeon, for anybody who doesn't know, is essentially, you know, where Aaron grew up since he's been working out there since he was 12 years old. So how did you first meet Aaron Donald?
1: Uh, my my coach my, – not not my coach, but um, my speed coach back home. Well, His name's um, Dwayne Brown. He runs a program called Two Speed and Agility. And I worked with him since I was a sophomore um, in high school. And Aaron worked with him when he was in high school too. And every offseason, Aaron comes back to work out with him. And so – you know, during the summer, this summer when Aaron comes back to work out with him, I still work out with my, uh, you know, down at two tenths, and so I would just work out with Aaron, and it, it's it's really nice. It's great to work out with someone who's uh, of that level. It, you know, kind of pushes you.
0: What stands out when you're when you're around that kind of greatness? What is it that stands out? What is it that separates it? His work, ethic and his speed, and and that's that's what makes him who he is.
1: I mean, he he works harder than anybody I've I've been around. To be honest with you.
0: I've heard that from multiple people. You ask him any questions? What kind of questions do you ask him? Uh,
1: I didn't – to be honest, I really didn't want to bother him that much because I feel like everyone's always trying to drill him with questions. So I was always – I was always one of those guys that would work out with him and keep my mouth shut and work because I really haven't – I really haven't done anything. I really haven't earned anything, you know, to joke around with him or, or, or be that way. So I kind of just put my head down and, and worked with him. You know, I just wanted to to be I, – I just wanted to, to kind of learn, what you know, to do, I just, I'm mean, in the back of my mind. I was always taking notes of, of what he was doing and the stuff he was doing, and you know um, how he was working so hard and like what he was doing. And so yeah, it was great. I remember the one time we were doing, uh, we were doing some form of exercise, and, and our their speed coach blew the whistle to end the drill, and I stopped, and, and he said, you know, you know, what are you doing? I was like, I was like, he blew the whistle, and I didn't finish my set. You know, we were doing like a lunge, lunge, jump combo, and he said. Um, he said, why didn't, you, why didn't you finish your set? I said, oh, he blew the whistle. He said, finish your set and do an extra one. And that's what separates him because that's what he always does. And that's, that's, that's why. You know, when, when someone runs 10 yards, Aaron runs 20 yards. And that's, those are the kind of notes I took in the back of my head. And I hated work out, working out with him for that because, that's, you know, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of mindset I had to have working out with him.
0: So. 100%. And I'll tell you one other thing he's done. I just, I just interviewed him last week before the San Francisco and Rams game. He's kept a notebook ever since he was in college at Pitt with every offensive lineman that he's ever gone up against that he keeps notes on, and he, like, would draw diagrams about how they do certain stuff, certain pass sets. Have you ever done anything like that? Like, is that is that a common thing, or how do you study your opponents? What's your process?
1: Uh, you know, uh, like, usually on Wednesday mornings, um, we go and watch the film. Uh, I'll wake up tomorrow, you know. 7.30, I'll eat breakfast, and then I'll be at the facility by, you know, 8 o'clock, and we'll be watching film before my first class of the day. Um, and then in the afternoon, I'll come to the facility a little bit earlier to watch my opponent, and I kind of just look look at their sets, you know, look where their hands are at, look at their stances before the snaps, kind of giving me an idea of whether it's going to be pass or run. So.
0: Mm-hmm speaking of my last one, how about Clark Lee? What's your, what's your favorite Clark Lee story? Give me, give me something that sort of paints the picture of the person that he is. Coach Lee is the most brutally honest guy that I've
1: ever met in my entire life. And he says it and, and it, it, it destroys you. And when I was, when I was a freshman, um, me and coach Lee had a really hard conversation in his office and, uh, Honestly, I felt like I'm the player I am today because of the conversation we had between me and him. Hmm. I don't want to go into the details because that's, you know, part of that's the secret and the sauce. You know, I don't don't want to go into the details about what happened in that room. But it was a hard conversation. One of the things that one of the things that um, I don't want to say anything because I know whatever I say and he hears about it. He's going to walk up to me at practice and be like, "Do you really feel this way about that? (laughs) <laughs> and you know, and because that's just the type of guy he is. And, and but I mean, he's a, he's a great guy. Um, I have nothing but the utmost respect for Coach Lee. And I I'd go to war with that guy any day of the week. And I know all the guys in the defense would. I mean, I I, I can I feel like I can ask him anything. Not even just about football, but anything in life, I feel like I can go and talk to him about. So yeah. I'm going to refrain from saying anything that's going to get me in trouble.
0: <laughs> I can, I can appreciate that. But you say brutally honest though, brutally honest about you as a person or brutally honest about you as a football player. Both. I say he'll keep it real with you on that stuff too. Oh, he wants to
1: develop, he wants to develop us as young men, just as much as football players. And that's his mission. And that's why I respect him so much. he will take time out of his day to talk to you for three hours about the that is going on in your life and that he wants to help change.
0: He seems like an amazing guy, man. I've, he I've heard.
1: He's a great coach days. Wherever he ends up being a head coach, he's going to be a great one.
0: Isn't that the truth? Kurt, we really appreciate you taking some time, man. And uh, enjoy your trip back home. Great. Thank you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.